Episode four, season three, Pot of Gold. Really, really special episode. I mean, when I go on the Glee Project and I win a seven-episode arc on the show, I do not expect to get two solos within my first episode of being on the show, especially since some of the original Glee cast members haven't even gotten so much as one solo in one episode yet. But we can get right into it. I'm Amon, and of course I'm joined by Matt. How are you today? I am good. I have no solos to speak of on my own, but uh, listen, we have a fun new character. As much as I kind of, you know, wasn't super high on Damien in the Glee project, you know, especially in our recap of the show, didn't feel like he was the, you know, biggest star there, but happy to see him here. And, you know, as I mentioned on that Glee project podcast, I'm very happy and excited to see him now knowing his journey that it took him to get here. So this was a lot of fun to uh, go back and see from a different perspective. Yeah, uh, Damien McGinty is here. Just came off his win on the Glee Project, and he's already written right into the third season by episode four. He is playing Rory Flanagan, who is living with Brittany S. Pierce as a foreign exchange student from Ireland. And, of course, Brittany is not going to think that he is just any ordinary Irish person. I think that anybody that has an Irish accent in Brittany's mind must be a leprechaun because it's Brittany S. Pierce. And right now she is asking him to grant her wishes, which... Until watching Glee, I didn't know that that was like a thing for leprechauns. I just thought that leprechauns were lucky. I didn't know that they were like genies as well and they granted wishes. So that was like news to me back in high school. I guess I didn't look up enough information on mythical creatures before watching Glee. But he uh, he wants her pot of gold. And in order to get to her pot of gold, he has to grant her three wishes. And one of the first is that he she wants a entire box of Lucky Charms, but... Just the marshmallows, none of the cereal bits, and uh, that's what he is tasked with doing. He's not necessarily making a lot of friends outside of Brittany. We see a few of the uh, football players pick on him and uh, push him into the lockers, which Finn is going to see because he overhears a conversation between him and Brittany, but doesn't necessarily do anything about it, but... Yeah, this is Rory Flanagan. This is Damian McGinty's uh, premiere episode on Glee. Yeah, so to speak on, you know, Rory or Damian as a person that enters the show, obviously on the Glee Project, if you watched it or if you didn't, this isn't so obvious, but he was not, he, wa- he wasn't the person that gave Ryan the most to work with, but he comes in with the most obvious character already written for him obviously he's got this irish accent he comes from ireland and he is you know it's it's this character truly just writes itself the foreign exchange student coming in from ireland it's like you know anybody could have written that so uh it's it's obvious that they were going to go in a direction like this and i mean I'm not bagging on that. It, it There's no reason why not to. They don't have any exchange student storylines as of yet. And Rory is a fun character that they bring in. He's a nice guy. And this introduction here is very, uh, very glee. Just he's this this exchange student that comes in and Brittany thinks he's a leprechaun. Like it doesn't get more glee than that. So uh, it's a very 
perfect way for him to find a way. Like, obviously, he's going to be the one that enters first, uh, and Sam Larson is going to enter halfway through the season. I don't know if that's because they had a harder time figuring out where to fit him into the story, or if they just figured that he fit in better later on. But it's so easy to just incorporate this new character in when you can have him play off of Brittany at any moment. Yeah, uh, I wondered about that, too, and whether or not they maybe it was just too congested of a series to have two new characters get introduced at the same time, especially given that there are so many things that are going on with the characters already, with many of them being their last year and the whole thing with Curtin and Rachel and now uh, Santana and Mercedes. There's just a lot going on, so I can understand, you know, limiting the amount of work that the writers would have to do in having all of these characters shuffle back and forth. I thought for sure that Rory was going to be like a part of like the new show choir that Mercedes is putting together. And so, of course, you know, we're going to see in this episode, it's going to be all girls. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see Rory here. I think it's a pretty comical way to, to introduce him. So that's where we're at with that. He's got to get an entire box of Lucky Charms, only marshmallows, which I mean, that's not a bad wish. Like, I mean, I'm team Brittany on this one. I feel like that's she clearly knows what she wants. <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> um, Quinn and Puck are going to come into the teacher's lounge and gift concealer to Shelby <laughs> because they see that she's tired, she's overworked, she has a new job, she's got a new baby, she's in a new town, and she doesn't have a lot of time to herself. No wonder she stopped working out, Quinn says, which Shelby's going to take offense to. Um, but the main goal of this conversation is that Quinn and Puck really just want to offer their services as babysitters because they know that she's tired and she needs a little bit of me time. And Shelby's a little bit reluctant because Quinn, you know, finally got her act together maybe about a couple weeks ago. And she's not really sure if she really wants to entrust her baby, because it's her baby, uh, to these teenagers. But they reassure her that they have babysitting experience. You can, Mr. Shu can back us up. We babysitted Kendra's Demon Spawn children two seasons ago. So we know what we're doing. You know, let us have, let us give this time back to you. You can go out and work out whatever the hell you want to do. And... Yeah. Shelby probably didn't expect Quinn to get her uh, to get her act together so fast when she was telling her, you know, clean yourself up, get rid of the pink hair, stop, you know, rebelling against the world. And Quinn took that very seriously as Puck, you know, pushed her on a little bit to kind of, uh, you know, get back to a place where she looked and acted like somebody who could be taking care of a child or at least getting to know this child. Uh, so Shelby was telling her to do this and now she's done this she's back in the glee club and as much as we know that she's kind of faking it because she wants her daughter back she is putting on the appearance that she's all good to go and that she's followed all of shelby's orders directly so shelby at the end of this you know she's like letting out a big sigh kind of like maybe just not ready for this maybe not expecting that it would have happened this fast that she's going to bring both birth parents of beth to meet her uh like she's probably just what like she knew that that was the plan that's what she wanted to do but now that the moment has come like there's a little bit of hesitancy here but i mean i guess that's to be expected yeah um because I, mean, I mean i feel like if shelby really was all that overworked she could hire out a babysitting service but the fact that it's going to be uh kids that actually are familiar with beth and she did tell quinn that she wants beth to be a part of her life so or she wants quinn to be part of beth's life rather so i mean it's, it's you know it's a perfect offer and before quinn did you know go spiraling and hanging out with the skanks she was a straight-a student she was someone who had a you know this picture-perfect image in the school so to see her back to that point i feel like was enough for shelby to just at least give her 
this one chance. So, I mean, it is her birth mother at the end of the day, and she's going to have a soft spot because she knows what it's like to want to actually have, you know, maybe have been there for Rachel in ways that she couldn't have because she was younger. So that's where we're at with them. We're going to see them babysitting her later on. But in the meantime, Sue is up to her usual antics on Sue's corner, attacking uh, the arts once again. And the latest barrage of her insults is going to be on the McKinley High School West Side Story budget, which she's going to pull out in a folder on national television. Well, I guess not national, but local television at least. And claim that it's a top secret form. I don't know why it would be. Can't be if you're about to read it on air. And say that it's the grand total is $2,004, which I feel like is kind of cheap for a, a high school musical. I mean, at least I feel like my theater teacher definitely spent a little bit more than that. I mean, not everybody got it like that, but I'm saying, like, I feel like that's not. You should see some of these rich schools, what, how much money they put into their shit. I'm talking like $10,000 at minimum, okay? So this is nothing compared to those kind of schools. But, um, yeah, it's more. It's just another example of more money going into the arts when it could be going into educators and education for our kids. And do we really want to be um, a society that puts arts above education? And she therefore urges everybody in Lima, Ohio, to call McKinley High School have their phone ringing off the hook and let them know that you do not want the arts to be taking so much funding away from education. And this is going to work because the next day at school, the phone's going to be hanging off or ringing off the hook. We're going to have an angry parent protesting outside Figgins's uh, building or office only after she tried to attack him with a brick in the parking lot, which I feel like she should be facing charges for that. But yeah, so this is this is not good because now... Figgins is feeling like he has to cut the funding because his hands are tied, which, of course, is going to piss off Will and say, you cannot cut this funding. We, wait, I thought you were an ally of the arts. So here we are, Sue, winning yet again. Yes, and she's going to stand up for her decision, uh, as Will is obviously not taking this very well. He's you know, yelling at Figgins about uh, what you just said about how I thought you were on our side, which is confusing because we don't really check in with Figgins a whole lot through season two, or it's been a while. And you know what we knew of Figgins at a point... For, for the majority of the time that we've known him is that he did not care for the Glee Club and he only, like, let them continue to exist. I mean, in part, there was the reason because Sue saved them at the end of season one. Um, but just at the end of the day, it's it's become, like, easier to just let them be rather than having to fight Schuster, who begs him at every single moment that he even slightly suggests that the Glee Club might no longer exist. So Will does his usual routine here where he says he'll get the money himself and he'll figure it out. And, you know, there's not much you can do when he gets to that point because if he's going to pay for it himself, your argument goes out the window. So Sue's like, all right, good luck. But, you know, the arts are still going down no matter what you do, no matter how much money you raise. The arts are still going down because that is part of her campaign. So, yes, uh, arrest that woman with the brick, please. Uh, that was terrifying, and I don't care about how her child is doing in school. Uh, Figgins, as much as we want him fired, does not deserve to have bricks thrown at him. Um, and, yes. I mean, she's pissed off that her, her son can't read, but I feel like if he's in high school and your son can't read, I feel like you have some personal culpability in all of this as well. I mean, I feel like I would... I'm, Barring any sort of learning disability or sort of, you know, mental thing going on with the child, I feel like if he if he has gone all this time not being able to read, that is not because of Principal Figgins, okay? That is something to do with you and you not being there for your child all the way up in elementary school and middle school and whatever have you. But, hey, whatever, you know, it's just a, I guess it's just a commentary on how 
people can use politics to have the public place blame on things where they shouldn't be placing blame instead of, you know, maybe taking personal responsibility for it. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> Let's just be glad that Mike Chang's dad didn't come by with some bricks in his hand to uh, to get his point across to Figgins. Oh, Mike Chang Sr. would never. He would just rather drug test his child. Yes. So, yeah, Sue's back at it again, and that's, that's where we're at with that. Mercedes is going to approach Santana in the hallway and ask her about all the solos that she got last year. How many did you get? Mercedes or Santana's going to be like, I got a few. She's like, no, you didn't. You got Valerie, sis. You got one solo last year. I mean, you might have sang a, a song with Holly Holiday, but I'm talking about an actual performance with the Glee Club. You got one solo. You should really consider hopping on over to this new Glee Club with me. Shelby Corcoran is amazing. She gets me. She's got me singing notes that I didn't even know existed. I feel like I'm actually being paid attention to, and like I'm actually getting a shot to, to be a star, and I feel like you should get that same chance as well. And Santana's like, well, you know, I'd love to, but I can't just leave Brittany. I mean, somebody's got to look out for her. She's fragile, and I just can't leave her on her own. And Mercedes is like, well, why don't you just bring her with you? And all the while, Finn is going to be listening in on this conversation, scared, because once again, this is your senior year. We already lost Mercedes, and now we might be losing Brittany and Santana, too. This can't happen. This is horrible. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to see Santana in a position of like she's the one being like pled to. Like usually, usually it's like Santana with this like evil plan, and she's the one that is convincing everybody else to follow along with her. But Mercedes is coming to her here saying like, "Listen, you don't get solos. I don't get solos. I already left. Time for you to join me. Like, there's nothing, nothing behind for you to stick around for." And obviously, Santana counters that with saying, "Well, I need to watch Brittany and make sure she can cross the street," uh, kind of thing. But she, she's like. Well, there's no reason why Britney can't come with us. Like, there's, uh, it, it, it is an all-girl group, so the more the merrier. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why Santana isn't immediately jumping on this. You would think that after she already got kicked out of the New Directions once this year, so she could be on the Cheerios. Like, I don't know. Does Sue have any influence on this decision, whether or not she leaves the New Directions or not? Maybe she's still kind of spying on the New Directions for Sue in a way that we don't, you know, know about or see fully. So I don't know. Um, it, it seems like it would have been an easy yes, but it takes some convincing. And I mean, it does seem to be more about Brittany and Brittany not wanting to leave uh, right away. So that's where we uh, yeah, that's where we, where we leave things for now. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I mean, we both gave Mercedes two gold stars or, or we both gave her a gold star last episode. But I, I sort of take a small issue with this because do you really want everybody else in the New Directions to fail? Like, you're, you can't really blame the fact that Rachel gets everything on every member of the New Directions. Like, that's not Mike Chang's fault. And maybe Finn has a little bit to do with it because, you know, he also gets most of the solos. It's not Blaine's fault. He just got there. Kurt's not Kurt's fault. And what, what about all the other girls that don't defect? Like, you're screwing them over as well. And I feel like if this is about Mr. Shu then okay, but at the same time, you're screwing over. What about Artie? You love Artie. Artie didn't do that. Well, Artie didn't give you the, the, well, the musical, so I guess she does have something out for him, but not everybody in New Directions is at fault for the way that you're feeling, so I just feel like you trying to take away their senior year moment, because some of them, you know, are not going to get this chance either. Again, I just, I don't know, I kind of feel just a little bit icky with her doing this. I don't agree. I, I don't think that I agree. I, I think I'm fully on her side with this. It's like, none of her friends have done a single thing to help her in the past year stand up with her for the fact that Rachel gets everything she wants. And that's the point that Rachel, it's Rachel's club, Rachel's way, Rachel, everything, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel, but Rachel. neither did she. She didn't do anything until last week. So you're expecting all of them to 
quit as well? She has, she has made it very clear many times. There was the whole thing last year where she was trying to become a diva and Lauren was helping her stand up for the fact that she has demands and she's trying to show that, you know, Rachel's not the only one who can get her way around here. And then she barely got her way with that. It was only because Rachel came and told her that it was fine for her to take her spot that she ended up getting what she wanted. So there's not much, like every time she slightly opens her mouth and tries to get attention and tries to get people to look at her, it just never goes in her direction. How many times does she have to say to Will in whether it's a joking manner or not that I'm just going to sit here and park and bark and I'm just going to be the one that you know wails out a note at the end of the song because that's all you're willing to give me like she's made it very clear and rather than like starting you know starting some kind of huge thing in the in the choir room every single day like she's made it clear what she wants and nobody is giving it to her so at this point she says it's my senior year I'm gonna go do me and you know she I'm sure she would be more than happy to have Tina join them or Artie I don't care I'm sure I know it's an all-girls group but Artie you can come like if all of her friends <laughs> would be as you can't though like that's but that's what that's what I'm saying is that everybody can't join this new group so for you to completely try and destroy the other one it's just like do you want do you want to be the star this year, do you want to have like your moment this year, or do you also want to tear down everything else as you do it? And I'm just—it's like, her senior year, and she wants to be the star. She needs to stand out. She has this, the same resume to build up that Rachel does. They both need to create, you know, something to show the rest, show people at colleges, show whoever, wherever she's going next, to show them what she did in her senior year. And her swaying in the back of a song just to protect her friends is not how she's going to end up standing out to people that she wants to impress going forward. I mean, I agree. I just don't know if poaching members is the way to do it. You know, I feel like, I mean, you can, you can, there are other members in the, there are other people in this school that can join the Glee Club. Of course, obviously, narratively speaking, it would make more sense to use the characters that we already have. I get that. But I'm just saying, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if stealing members from them is the way that you want to go. Because if you, if you are, if you also are upset with people not standing up with you, then why do you want them in your group? You know what I mean? Those are the same people that didn't have your back and you want them to have your back now. I don't know. It's just it, it's just it's just a little bit icky. It's just a little bit messy. But that's what she's going to do. She's going to try and get uh, Santana to come along. Um, but Santana's a little bit reluctant. In Glee Club rehearsal, however, Tina's upset because Mercedes is gone. She says she's the original one of the original members of Glee Club. And she feels naked in here without her. Willis was like, you know what, guys? Like, look, we lost we lost Mercedes, but we've dealt with so much worse. We've all been through so much together that we cannot let this set us back. But Quinn's like, you know what? I kind of blame you because you were really hard on her. And, of course, she's going to want to leave. So how are we supposed to move forward now? And Rachel's going to come in. She's going to get the news that Sue cut the funding for the musical, so it's canceled right now. So of course she's going to like lose her money. She's like, you cannot cancel this musical. This is this is crazy. Like this is supposed to be our senior year. What are we supposed to be doing? But Finn's you know going to come in and be the captain of the glee club that he is, and try and calm everybody down and say like, look, we just have to we have to focus. We have to focus on getting new members. We have to focus. We can't allow this to like divide us, and we can't allow infighting. And of course she's talking. He's talking directly to Santana because he witness Mercedes trying to steal her away. And Blaine is going to back him up here, or at least attempt to, and say, like, look, yeah, I agree with Finn. You know, whenever we lost a member of the Warblers, we just replaced them with somebody else. And uh, Finn he doesn't really appreciate the help. He's like, well, that's easy for you to say when your waitlist for the Warblers has a waitlist, but that's not necessarily the case here at McKinley. And if you don't mind, I'm trying to give a pep talk, so if you could just sit down. And Blaine's like, didn't you just say that you didn't want us fighting with one another? And Will's going to come in and put an end to it all and say, like, look, 
I have a plan to save the musical. We're just going to start selling ad space in the program. We will focus on getting new new Glee Club members later, but we just need to focus on getting this musical back up and running. And Kurt uh, volunteers to take the lead on that. So the Glee Club is really uh, holding on to the last couple of scenes here. I'm not too sure what it is about Blaine that gets Finn so worked up. Like just, I mean, I, I get that he was burned in the past by Jesse coming in and being there just because of Rachel. So now maybe he feels like Blaine only being there because of Kurt is like something that is offensive to him. Also the fact that, you know, Blaine's coming from this school where he was the star and Finn is like, all right, well this is uh, run a little bit differently here, which is also kind of just furthering the point of like why Mercedes left. This is just a club that revolves only around Finn and Rachel and what they say and what they want. And nobody else is allowed to speak up and have a voice because otherwise Finn yells at them. So, I mean, it's just becoming like to me clearer and clearer why truly everybody should be following Mercedes out the door. It's not even like Will steps in to stop him. If Finn starts talking and he's being the leader, even if he's shutting down Blaine, who has nothing but like a generous thought and idea to offer here about, you know, his experience, like why are you yelling at him? There's no reason to be yelling at him at all. And you know, Will just watches Rachel just, just lets him say it. So Finn is going to go off like this and people, you know, even come to Finn later saying, or I think it's Santana that she's like, uh, like we see how aggressive you are with Blaine. Like you don't like him for whatever reason. You need to relax on that end. So I don't know. It's just it is a mess. And Finn, you know, being like, oh, we need to all stick together. Blaine, you know, it's it's nice that he calls him out and he's like, well, you're yelling at me for absolutely no reason. So so much for that. Yeah, Finn is obviously really insecure right now with all of the things that are going on with him not knowing what to do with his life after he graduates. And I guess being the Glee Club captain is like the last bit of identity that he has left that is fleeting. And he doesn't want anybody coming in and destroying that little piece of, you know, normalcy that he has or little piece of power that he has. So, yeah, being threatened by somebody that was the star of their Glee Club and has come over and is, you know, is still clearly not somebody that is comfortable with sort of just swinging in the background and will speak up and will say like, yeah. And it, and it was a, it was a supportive gesture. It wasn't even like Blaine was trying to usurp power. He was like, like yeah, I, I agree with Finn. I really feel like we need to bunker down and we just got to we just got to replace Mercedes. It sucks that we lost her, but we just we have to replace her. There's no other way around it. And for Finn to like sort of shoot him down like that, I'm like, eh, that's you're really letting your uh, your insecurity show. Like it's not Blaine's fault that you don't know what to do with your life. <laughs> it's yeah, it's nobody's fault. You'd have to figure that out on your own. But he's just all worked up here. I mean, at the end of the scene, we see him calling out Santana as well. I mean, obviously, I think this one makes a little bit more sense because he's kind of like he he was walking behind them as they had that conversation earlier with Santana and Mercedes about Santana potentially leaving. So, like, he's a little bit more justified in having something snarky to say to her here. Um, but still, like, he's obviously just very worked up. He, he says to her, hey, Santana, you ready to help out the team? She's like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't I be? It's like, all right, just checking. You're gonna have you're gonna catch more uh what is it? Catch more flies with honey instead of vinegar. I feel like if you don't want somebody to leave, maybe it's maybe you don't want to push them out of the door as right. you plead for them to stay. Uh but yeah. Um Finn is gonna meet up with Rory, who recognizes him from YouTube. Apparently that the kiss that missed is still trending. It must be on the, the number one page on, on YouTube. Uh, and Rory's going to tell Finn about, you know, being from Ireland and being a foreign exchange student and how he loves America. He loves, you know, NASCAR and our half black president and all that jazz. Um, and he's living with Brittany, who thinks that he's a leprechaun. 
um, and he has to grant her wishes because Finn is going to find him in a classroom alone, sorting out all of the marshmallows and putting them into an, um, putting them back into the uh, Lucky Charms box. And he lets him know, like, look, I'm I'm kind of lonely, Finn. Like, there really aren't a lot of people that you know take kindly to me. I thought America was like you know a place that celebrated diversity and community and stuff like that. And I just feel like I'm not really getting that image and Finn tells him that's sort of an old brochure buddy which I thought was the perfect analogy to describe America because that's definitely not (laughs) the tea sometimes when it comes to this country and Roy's just gonna come out and be like hey do you do you mind if like can you be my friend like I don't really have any friends right now with the exception of Brittany but she doesn't even really see me for who I really am and Finn's like yeah in America dudes don't really ask dudes to be their friend but he says he thinks about it and he's like you know what Sure, I'll be your friend, but I need you to do something for me. And he's going to essentially ask Rory to spy on Brittany because now that he's witnessed that conversation between Santana and Mercedes and Brittany's name was dropped, he thinks that there might be some more defections coming down the line for the New Directions and he just wants to know if Rory hears anything. And if he does, just report back to Finn. And Rory is going to uh, happily agree to this because he's really got nothing else to lose. Okay, so first of all, why can't dudes ask dudes to be their friends? I mean, I get that he asks it in kind of an awkward way. Like maybe maybe Finn would have been more receptive if he said like, hey, you want to hang out after school and go grab something to eat? But he's from a different country. He doesn't, you know, have the exact layout of how these conversations go. Shut up, Finn. I really uh, hate Finn this episode <laughs> a lot. And uh, I mean, honestly, I'm just surprised that this scene doesn't take place in the locker room shower. Honestly, that's like that's Ryan Murphy. And I'm surprised that we're not meeting Rory singing a song while he's in the shower and Finn comes up to him because that's just how things go around here. But luckily, uh, luckily, Damien gets to have a more decent scene. uh, And he just is just this adorable little boy coming up and asking about, you know, uh, I need more friends. I need help because people aren't really being nice to me. And all I want to do is, uh, you know, get it on with Brittany. And uh, it's going well so far because she thinks I'm a leprechaun. And it's like a very it's very funny. Like the the way that they were able to introduce him to be this very lovable new face. Like I remember connecting with him, having not known him uh, from the Glee Project. So it worked on me. I kind of love that he was asked, you know, how, where like you know, who he wanted to sort of, like, be around in the Glee Club, and he chose Brittany, because I feel like he's sort of, like, getting his wish granted here. Because he gets, like, what, like, three kisses on the cheek from Heather Morris in this episode? I'm sure Roy Flanagan was living (laughs) on set. He was like, yeah, can we run that scene again, please? So, yeah, he's uh, currently working to get that uh, pot of gold, and now he's got at least one other ally in Finn. Uh, In other news, Shelby is going to be prepping Puck and Quinn uh, for babysitting, he's trying to uh, leave Beth and calm her down before she goes to work out. I think she had, like, some workout clothes. So I was like, I, I don't know if I wanted to take some time off from uh, taking care of my baby and then go to the gym. I feel like I would, like, go to a movie or go to a bar or something. Quinn called her out earlier in the episode saying that she was slipping with the, uh, like she, she started to look bad. Like she said, I think specifically said like you, you've been working out less. You're not taking care of yourself like physically. And, uh, now, now Shelby's all insecure about that. She did. So, um, she tries to leave in a hurry because Beth starts crying. She's like, I'll promise she'll stop crying when I leave. So she heads on out. Itsy bitsy spider. Just itsy bitsy spider. That'll be the answer. And then as soon as she leaves, um, Beth does not stop crying until Puck takes her because I guess Beth is taking a liking to her, to her, to her daddy. And Quinn is going to immediately start 
planting all sorts of shit around the apartment. I think she plants some kind of like weird chemical. She plants hot sauce. She plants a bunch of incriminating books about baby sacrifice and baby botulism and all sorts of just overt shit. Like anybody that was actually abusing their child would probably not own this shit, but it's glee and it's overly dramatic and it's campy. So this is what she's going to do. Um, and Puck is like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, you know, I mean, it's illegal to give hot sauce to babies. You know, there was this mom that got pretty much lynched because she, uh, you know, poisoned her baby. And, you know, we got to get our baby back. So do you want our baby back or not? And Puck is sort of reluctant, but doesn't stop her from planting all of this bad shit in the apartment. And he's afraid that she's going to find out. But Quicks, or Quinn's like, she's getting four hours of sleep a night. She doesn't even know her name. She's not going to notice any of this stuff. Like, quit yapping and help me do this. So Quinn is just totally just out of line here. It's a mess. Yeah, and obviously he's more not just like upset about this because for some reason it's like affecting him on some kind of like personal level. It's like I think he's just connected with Shelby and he knows that she's a good mom. So he's like, we don't have to go this hard. Like there's no reason to go this crazy when she's already a good mom. I get that you want to get her back, but there's got to be a different way to do this rather than planting all of this crazy stuff around the house. She is just, you know, she has thought of this for however long and she is all in on this plan. She's going to go call Child Protective Services as soon as they leave and let them know what they found at Shelby's house while they were babysitting, which is just like, I have to imagine that like an investigation would be opened at the time that they got called. It wouldn't be like immediately assuming the worst when it comes to like the, uh, just when this was, I don't, I don't know how this works at all to let me put that out there. But like when it's the birth mother that is calling and talking about what she found, it's like, you have to think that like something weird could be going on here uh, that, you know, I, I'm sure that they've dealt with things like this many, many times before. So I don't know that Quinn's fully thought through this plan, especially, you know, they're going to ask Shelby yeah. about it. And of course it's not her stuff. So I don't know. That's a really good point. Like I normally, I'm normally one to to call out the shoddy planning of some of these uh, characters, and I didn't really think too much about it. But yeah, like so, you're gonna call CPS on Shelby, but I'm assuming I'm assuming that she doesn't tell them I'm the birth mother because that's just I feel like you're asking for trouble by doing. Like, I feel like you're invalidating yourself anyway. And then when CPS does eventually look into Shelby, if they do, you think that. Instead of going back into the foster system, she is going to go directly to you. Like I don't like, a, like they're gonna they're gonna give a baby girl to a girl who hasn't even finished high school yet, a girl who legally signed away her rights to the child. No, no, honey. No. <laughs> so I mean all this all this on top of the fact that she is trying to ruin Shelby's life and she Shelby is a good person like she came back here Granted, because she was getting a lot of money uh, to come back here and have an easier life, but she made it very clear from day one that she was planning on getting Quinn and Puck back involved in her life in one way or another. And Quinn is just you know still still the same ish Quinn as we saw in the first episode, just completely out of her mind and trying to put together a plan to get her life back together because uh as we're gonna, you know, hear her talk about later, Beth is like the last perfect thing that she could possibly have in her life. Everything else is going wrong and she just really wants to have this back so that this can be her her one shining moment to look at and say, This is what I did. This is what I created. Exactly. Well we'll see how that plan works out. Kurt, in the meantime, is going to ask his dad to purchase some ad space in the program uh, for the tire shop because the musical lost the funding and they have to save the show somehow, which is going to be like, wait, he's going to be like, wait, what? 
What do you mean? The next thing we know, Bert is up in Figgins' office with Will and three local funeral parlor directors that have agreed to fund West Side Story in full. One of them being a big fan of the show because there are so many deaths in it. So this, the musical is back on. Like, Bert, Bert has some... Uh, Bert has some politicking skills to so go out there and get some uh, support that quickly. Uh, I, you know, that's uh, that's that's a really good ally to have. So they're gonna they're gonna celebrate that and uh, they're gonna thank the uh, generous donation from these three men. Um, oh, one of them, you know, specifies that it's, he's not it's not a funeral home; it's a crematorium, and they also serve brick oven pizza, which is disgusting. But uh, we'll slide right on past that. Um, Bert and Will are going to talk to Sue later on in the hallway after getting the funding and pretty much rub it in her face a little bit because Sue has no problem rubbing shit in other people's faces. And like, you know, uh, hey, so Sue, just want to let you know the uh, musical's back on. You, you lost. You thought that you could get the funding taken away by getting a bunch of angry parents on the phone, but we got the money, honey, so what now? And Sue's not intimidated because it's Sue, and she says, oh, well, if it isn't uh, the dude with the baboon heart... <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, you really think that you're going to be able to derail my plan to stardom and to, to, to this congressional seat? And Bert's like, you know what? I cannot wait to raise some money because I already did it for this musical. I cannot wait to raise some money to fund anybody that's going to take you down. And that's where you kind of like draw the line with Sue. She's like, oh, wait. So you think that you're going to try and step in and uh, ruin my chances to get into the top? Mm-mm, not going to happen. And a, a, a barrage of insults, of course, you know? Yeah. It's uh, he's he says he's gonna do everything he can do to make sure that she doesn't win, and she's already threatened Will Schuster like almost his entire life. Like if you step in, I will end you. And now this other guy's coming in, and like he has weaknesses that she's very, uh, very much you know aware of. Between the hair, the hair thing, I guess is obvious because he's bald under the hat, and then she's you know obviously calling him out on the heart attack that he had, and uh, you know obviously low blows. But Sue Sylvester is not one that has ever strayed away from a low blow no matter how severe it is which you would think she'd be a little bit more gentle like she just lost her sister and talking about this guy that had a heart attack like this that could have easily killed him like you'd think she'd be a little bit more gentle about some things rather than others but no uh sue is is still just going to be sue and they you know what are you gonna do when you get confronted with sue bert stands up to her pretty pretty nicely and will is always you know trying to stand up for her but it was like inspiring to him as you can see it in his face when bert is talking that he's like bert's not afraid of her and that's like nice to will because he spent so much time trying to not be afraid of her but like over time it just wears you down more and more and he looks at her he he uh will looks at bert and he's like wow like that was pretty good for like your first real encounter with sue and bert <laughs> says that he would just like to see that woman lose just once so hey will's not going to disagree with that yeah that's, that's funny though like he's like yeah i've been dealing with this woman for years and you kind of just come in and just like shut her down real quick and she's already you, you can tell that she's intimidated because she starts insulting you so right good for you bert good for you i think she likes you oh <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah Rory is on the phone with his mom, uh, when not, which interesting because if it's daytime here, oh wait, no, the UK is only six hours, no, five hours ahead. So that checks out. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Rory's on the phone with his mom, you know, pretty much assuring him that he loves, he's having a good time. Clearly, he's not because somebody, some ass is going to come and take the phone out of his hand and throw it on the ground, and which disconnects the call. So clearly, he's getting bullied, but he does see. 
the object of his affection, Miss Brittany S. Pierce, on the other side of the hall, and he he's completed his task in putting an entire box of Doritos, um, in, well, putting all of the <laughs> Doritos, or, Doritos, oh my god, all of the marshmallows in the Lucky Charms, I have all these snacks in my brain, oh, he has succeeded in putting a bunch of marshmallows in a box of Lucky Charms, and he's going to give it to Brittany and say, your first wish has been granted. Where did you get Doritos? I, I have Doritos sitting next to me on my bed. <laughs> I was just going to let you finish, but, like, I don't know where the Doritos came in. <laughs> I was looking at them as I was talking. <laughs> it's just Rory brought in all these Doritos. <laughs> I didn't even notice that I said Doritos until I, like, corrected myself. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, maybe I missed that he had Doritos and Lucky Charms, but <laughs> I, like, I don't think so. <laughs> I want you to give me an entire box of Lucky Charms, but with only Doritos. <laughs> I mean, it's not unfathomable that she would have said that. I was like, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Oh, God. The day that we get Doritos cereal is the day that I am just finished with America. Oh, that's the day. <laughs> no, not anytime sooner. <laughs> he uh, is going to hand her the uh, the box. And she's like, she's going to thank him. It's like, oh, my God, thank you. Now you're only like two wishes away from getting my pot of gold. And she says that her next wish is that she wants Laura Tubbington to poop candy bars because she feeds him like nougat and she rubs his tummy with glitter sticks every night and so that he's just she just feels like she's been doing all the prep work to get a chocolate bar to come out of lord tubbington's ass and that's her next wish um and rory is kind of sort of like cut to the chase and be like do you think that we could just you know go out to dinner one time and she's gonna politely decline she says that she already has uh plans with a friend which is probably santana but she's like you know what you really shouldn't be eating anyway. You only eat four-leaf clover, so we can't go to dinner, silly. She's going to give him another kiss and walk on off and cue being green. Yes, he gets pushed like three se separate times in this entire scene. I don't know why everybody's pushing him around the school so much. Like when there was a new kid at my school, uh, or at least an exchange student, like everybody wanted to be that kid's friend. Everybody wanted to be around the I know, accent like, or whatever Ireland, it was. Like everybody wanted to hear the stories and hear about things from their home country. Like it was so cool to have an exchange student around. And I don't remember. Yeah, no, we had like I think like one guy. I think most of the time it was uh, girls that came to be our school for exchange students. Not that there was, I think, any reason for it. That's just my memory of the uh, students that we had. But um, everybody wanted to be their friends, and poor Rory is just getting pushed around the school. Like his poor mom is on the phone with him, whatever the time difference is, and the phone's getting slammed out of his hand. But yeah, he goes into this being green performance, uh, made famous by Kermit the Frog, and it's just it's again this the writing for him was just so obvious and it just came together so easily I'm sure like I can't imagine they had a hard time putting together this perfect storyline with like Rory and Brittany and it just it it just came together so nicely he's just so, so in love with her and uh yeah it's it's fun so so in love watching her as she's eating all of the marshmallows in class sitting next to her supposed girlfriend that he I guess does not know about but I don't know how you would know but I feel like I feel like Santana has had to have come by Brittany's house at some point while he's there but maybe not I don't know maybe he just got there I don't know <laughs> he definitely wasn't there last week so they haven't had many sweet lady kisses while uh Rory's been around Rory's yet. around yeah <laughs> Santana and Brittany are at breadsticks and Santana wants to talk to Brittany because she just wants to talk about something important and Brittany thinks that it's about how sour patch kids are just gummy bears that have turned to drugs which beautiful theory and I'm one I'm, I'm behind it 100 percent 
Um, but Santana wants to know if they're dating. And Brittany's confused because she's like, wait, isn't this a date? That like that time when we took a bath together, wasn't that a date? Like, what? I don't, I don't get the question. And Santana's clearly taking it back because she, you know, she doesn't like talking about things. So she's a little bit emotional about everything. And Brittany's like, are you crying? She's like, well, I'm just, I'm just really, really happy. And Brittany reminds her, she's like, well, I told you last year that if I was single and you were single, then we would mingle. And if anything happens and this somehow becomes an issue with my campaign, I'll just use one of my leprechaun wishes to help me win the election. And Santana's like, wait a second, you actually think that Rory is a leprechaun? She's like, yeah, like he's been granting me all of these wishes. And she's going to tell, but Santana's going to be like, well, I have a wish for you as well. And Brittany's like, well, what is it? And she's like, well, I just... I've been thinking and I really think that I want to leave the New Directions and go join Mercedes's new group with Shelby, but I won't go if you won't go. So I'm asking you to come with me. And Brittany's like, well, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't want to be known as a quitter. I mean, I'm, I am running for a senior class president and that would tarnish my reputation. And I don't know. Can I just think about it for a day? And Santana's like, yeah, sure. No problem. But in the meantime, can you hold my hand? And of course, Brittany is going to hold her hand, but Santana's not entirely... Uh, comfortable with being out and showing PDA, so she hides it under the napkin, which I don't think makes it any less conspicuous, but there we are. <laughs> yep, they are uh, still obviously together. I'm just glad we're, you know, finally uh, four episodes in, getting the reminder of the two of them and this relationship that has still been growing and still been blooming over time. And like Brittany said, she promised last year if she was single this year, then if I'm single, then we mingle. So they are, she is single at the moment, even though Rory is trying to get into her pot of gold. And uh, Brittany is, you know, trying to win the election. It's just, there's a whole lot going on that I guess is kind of distracting them from fully being together. But look, Santana's making progress by asking her about their, their relationship and talking about them. So Brittany is the one who used to want to talk all the time and try to figure out what they are. And now here Santana is doing that. And Brittany's like, well, I thought we were already dating. I thought we were already, you know, doing things that were like dating. So I don't know. They're just as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see Santana sort of like melt a little bit because she's such a hard, she's just a hard individual. And she's been through a lot, obviously. And she's had a lot to do with overcoming uh, her own personal self-loathing, you know, shit. So to see her just be happy with Britney is just, it's nice. So good for you, Santana. Good for you. So Puck is, uh, we're going to see how he has a part-time gig cleaning pools, but he also has a bit of a part-time gig in being solicited by seemingly single mothers. I don't know if they are, but he cleans the pools of these houses. The single moms in these houses also look to get it on with him. But ever since he's been trying to clean up his image and work on being a part of Beth's life, he has been deflecting most of the requests by showing pictures of his baby. I mean, we're going to see a scene with one of these moms, scantily clad, coming out to ask him to come and fix a clogged pipe, and he's going to show her a picture of Beth, which is going to turn her the fuck off, which I don't know why I would. I mean, like, I feel like if you just want some nookie, like him being a father, like, who cares? It's not like he's asking you to mother the child. Like, But I guess that's what he's thinking. That's what the, she's thinking, and he knows he's going to think that. So mission accomplished by, uh, by Puck here. This is a really, really just nasty like he's i mean he's probably 18 by this point because he's a senior but at the same time like ew. i still think he's 17 yeah like it's the beginning of senior year so yeah he probably is 17 that's just 
I mean, this he was doing this when he was 16, when he was 15. I think when he was 15 is because that's when we introduce are introduced to the character of Puck, and he's you know cleaning pools and you know trying to get with all the women that own the pools. So this is this is nothing new, and it's still just as bad as it was. But I mean. I have to imagine that this is like a high school boy's fantasy come true. So I don't know if there were other like any straight boys out there that were watching him and, you know, into I don't know. It's 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 a weird one. Yeah, very weird. Quinn is going to urge Puck later at school to get a real job because there aren't enough there aren't enough pools in Lima for you to sustain yourself and to sustain a family. Do you, do you have any idea how hard it is and how expensive it is to raise a child? Um, and Puck is like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, I just called CPS. She's like, I can't believe that you actually did that, Quinn. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? He's like, we should have our baby back in a couple of weeks, which, no, Quinn, that's not how that works. And Puck is like, Shelby is a good mom. I don't understand why you're trying to ruin her life right now, and not only her life, but Beth's life. Like, what are you doing? And Quinn emphasizes that everybody has their plans, colleges and, and jobs and careers, all this stuff that they have planned for themselves. And I have nothing. So in the event that I don't leave this town and that I don't accomplish anything, I at least have Beth. She's my perfect thing. It's so hard to, to, to do anything perfectly. But she's that. I didn't screw her up. Like, I did that. I created her. We created her. She's my perfect thing. I just, I just want her back. Is that so hard to fucking understand? Even if I even if I leave this town and never accomplish anything, at least I'll have her to call mine. So, I mean, that's not really what. <laughs> Again, the the aspirations of Quinn here just to have this be her mark on on what she's done with her life to this point. It's like you you moved past this. You were working in a positive direction towards something that was like you know towards towards being yourself and towards being like a part of something good with the new directions and you know you should be focusing on other things in your senior year like getting using your last year in high school to create something that you can be proud of but she's just not looking forward she's only looking backwards at something that she already did create being this child and saying well that can be my my thing that can be what I have to show for my time in high school and that's what I did even if it wasn't the right timing even if it wasn't the best circumstances I have this that I can look back on and say you know that's what happened at the peak of my life I guess is what she's trying to get at which Puck is obviously not down with this whole theory and idea that Quinn has but there's not much he can really do at this point yeah it's uh Quinn whenever she has her mindset on something she really just she goes for it at any cost so yeah and to make matters worse to make matters worse here Puck is walking down the hallway and Shelby comes by and stops him and you know says that her condo manager is looking for a pool boy and she's going to recommend him so as Quinn continues to lose her mind and, and you know think of all these plans to ruin Shelby's life Shelby is continuing to help Puck out and be there for him and be nice to him and he is doing the same to her so the two of them have a good connection <laughs> that's just you know Puck's right in the middle of of this and Shelby has no idea what's even going on so this is just really sucky for him but i think he'll find a way to make it better yeah let's hope <laughs> so will is going to uh write the magic is back on the board in the choir room which is going to think make uh britney think that he knows about rory <laughs> but no he's just here to congratulate kurt and bert and everybody on raising enough money to put the musical back on and the glee club is back in the game which 
I'm like, it's so weird for Kurt to be in that position because obviously he has a part in the musical as well, but it does sort of like help Rachel who already is screwing him over and because Rachel was like emphatically applauding Kurt's efforts, but Kurt doesn't even fuck with you right now. So I just thought that that was an interesting note. But yeah, uh, everything's going back in, look, looking up. Everything's, you know, looking like it's going to work out. And in order to keep the hype train rolling, Blaine is going to get up and, you know, suggest that they do this number just to remind themselves that Glee is supposed to be about fun. And yeah, we uh, we sort of like lost a really big voice, but let's just, you know, try and make the best of it. And so he's going to start uh, a rendition of Katy Perry's TGIF because, of course, it's Blaine and Blaine loves Katy Perry. Blaine is such a Katy stan. He really is. Yeah. Translate that last line from Blaine into from the writers saying, we just need to get the song in the show and we can't think of a good spot to do it. So Blaine, just please help us help us just amp up the Glee Club with a random number that has nothing to do with absolutely anything going on. Let's just have a fun number to celebrate that something like literally there's no reason for the song to be thrown in here. It's like if Blaine was still with the Warblers, it would have been of, you know, let's go check in at Dalton Academy where Blaine is currently rehearsing another number that he's the lead of. But now that he's at McKinley, we need to still get these Darren Chris numbers in and we have to literally squeeze them in to a place where they truly make no sense. Like this is not the time for last Friday night. Like they could have had another alcohol episode or storyline, but no, we're going to just <laughs> shoehorn it in here and uh, let everybody have a great time. And uh, my only takeaway from this scene is that Quinn is going hard with the dancing this season maybe it's just the hair because every time that she starts dancing in these numbers like her hair is just takes over her whole entire head um and like you can't see her face you can't see anything it's just she's covered in like this sia looking type hair yeah quinn quinn is um diana agra must have been putting in some extra work with zach whitley what can i say like she's she she was going hard bopping and grooving this season um santana does not join in for this entire number and at the end of the number she's gonna be like oh so are we uh, interested in showcasing any other voices this year oh i see what's happening here once those mercedes is gone so now it's going to be the blaine and barry show well she says blaine and rachel but it would have been such a stroke of the tongue if she said blaine and barry but <laughs> whatever <laughs> she's like yeah good to know so she walks out and well it's like thank you santana for bringing down the mood yeah, he's he's trying to like keep her around because he's like, well, you were featured last year in sectionals, and she's like, yeah, that's the point, and we won, and we won. last year, <laughs> so we didn't win when Rachel and Finn were the ones in charge of things. So again, you have a point. Yeah, really. Santana's going to continue her tirade uh, and approach Rory um, and let him let him know that she knows that she that he is crushing on Brittany. She also knows that Brittany thinks that he is a leprechaun. She also knows that leprechauns do not exist. And if you don't want me to expose your ass to Britney, how about you grant me a wish? And I'm like, damn, Santana is really going hard. <laughs> and it's so it's so devious because she doesn't let Rory know I'm with Britney. Like, Britney and I are dating. She just lets him but continue to think that there is a chance so that he will grant her her wish for not exposing him. And I'm like, wow. Wow, Santana. Good for you. Good for you. Schemer. Yes, he's pretty intimidated, as one usually is when Santana Lopez comes up to you in the hallway and, you know, threatens you. Not threatens, but like, you know, tells you that yeah, she knows. She, <laughs> yeah, uh, just like, you know, she knows the, that he's been lying to Brittany about him being a leprechaun. So, you know, that was his plan uh, to get with Brittany. It's not really going to work because Santana is stopping it. So uh, it's not going to stop him, though, because he is still kind of 
trying to make things work with Brittany, but like he's also working for Santana at the same time. So poor Rory, he has like a million things to worry about here. He ends up sneaking into Brittany's room and taking these full chocolate bars and placing them in the litter box. And I wish I wish they didn't have to put the scene in there. This is so gross because Brittany walks in with the cat with Lord Tummington because Lord Tummington like snuck out. She picks up the Rory picks up the chocolate bar or or he like shows it to her and he's like, look, the the wish came true. Uh, He pooped out full chocolate bars and they're just going to sit on the bed and casually eat these poop chocolate bars. (laughs) Or he's going to like come clean with her and be like, look, Santana found out about me being a leprechaun and she only had one wish, and because it's one wish, it has to come true, and it was that you leave the New Directions. And Brittany's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to, like, quit. But at the same time, if it's a leprechaun wish, it has to come true. Why couldn't she just fucking wish for Lord Tubbington to stop smoking? But she ultimately rakes to the conclusion that she has to leave. She has to leave the New Directions, or else the wish can't come true. So there we go. I guess Brittany and Santana are officially out. If you wish on a leprechaun or wish to a leprechaun, that's it. It has to absolutely come true. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got the, we already got the Doritos and the marshmallow cereal. So now we have to follow through with every other <laughs> wish that is uh, is granted to this leprechaun or granted by the leprechaun. So they are out of the new directions, and that's it. What, what else are you gonna do? I know it's just not new directions. Are just dropping. It's just horrible. It's just bad. Um, Will's going to go to the tire shop to not only thank Bert for uh, helping get the money back on for the musical, but he's also going to suggest that he be the one to run against uh, Sue for Congress. And Bert is going to tell Will here, like, I'm already way ahead of you. I already I already am thinking about doing it. And Carol and Kurt are already on board as well. Um, look, at the end of the day, your glee club saved my kid's life. And it turns out that the arts can really do that, whether it be singing, whether it be dancing, whatever it is. I just know that it's the future and it's it's something that we can't afford to lose because it had such an impact for my child. And Will is like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, I'm so happy that you're going to do this. I really want to be your campaign manager. And he's like, well, Kurt already claimed the gig, but he's going to need some adult supervision. So if you're on board, I'm, I'm happy to have you. So, yeah, didn't really need much convincing from Will. Bert's already thinking about taking down Sue on his own. Yeah, I mean, as most tire shop owners do, you go from that to a career in politics <laughs> and, you know, your I mean, son is going to be your campaign manager. No, why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, truly, why not? <laughs> There's no no reason why not to go about this plan. And if he's not afraid of Sue, get in there and do it. It's obviously a little worrisome for Kurt, as we'll find out later, that he's just a little worried about the way that this will go down because you don't want Sue as your enemy. Uh, a lot of people that go to McKinley or work around Sue know that to be the case, but Bert is not afraid. So that's going to be his plan. Yep, 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 yep. Um, Puck is going to show up at Shelby's just as Beth is about to sleep, but as soon as he knocks on the door, wakes her up. Um, and he just wants to thank her for putting him in contact with the, uh, with the, uh, condo manager for being the, uh, to get to, to get, to get the pool boy gig. And Shelby's like, you know, thanks. I'm, 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 I'm happy for you. She's like, and Puck is like, you know, people just don't believe in me. So I really just appreciate it. And she's like, you're welcome, Puck. I really got to get back to my baby now. Um, and he's going to invite himself in um, and ask to use the restroom and then use that to de-bad parentify the condo. And once he's done, Shelby's going to be like, okay, Puck, you really need to go. I'm just really overwhelmed. And he says, like, no, let me help. She's really into me. Just let me let me help calm her down. And he's going to 
bust out his guitar and play I've Been Waiting for a Girl Like You, which does do the trick. Beth is going to stop crying, calm down, be mesmerized by the uh, the guitar lick, the guitar licks in the uh, dopey smile from Puck, and she eventually falls back asleep. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Uh, Puck is going to obviously continue this streak of getting success with Beth, where she listens to him, she likes him, she will stop crying when she comes to him, uh, and the music is obviously doing its thing and working very well. So uh, she he's doing a good job of showing Shelby that that he can be around Beth, and she's taking, you know, she she's understanding that this is a person that you know is is a happy person i don't know that's not what i'm trying to say but just somebody that (laughs) beth is comfortable with (laughs) so that's that's helpful because as shelby's gonna go on to say she's like i don't have anybody that i feel like i can share beth with and that's something that as a parent that she wants she wants to be able to have somebody there where when beth takes these moments of like her first steps or you know saying a word whatever these milestones are for you know for a baby you want to share that with somebody and shelby's obviously a single person at this time i don't know uh you know if she's dating i don't we don't get much insight on that but she has nobody that loves beth as much as she does that can be there for those moments so it seems like puck obviously is somebody who does care for beth so it's like well the person you're describing is sitting right in front of you and by the end of the scene they're truly like holding hands across the table Britannia style uh just talking about you know puck's like if you need any help ever i'm always here for you yeah the little uh, connection here as the uh, hands are touching. <laughs> <laughs> that's the connection, the touching hands, yes. <laughs> and that's it for now, just touching hands, nothing else. Yeah, we'll uh we'll 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 leave that leave that be for now. Uh Rory is going to come up to Finn because he's about to tell him what the hell just happened because he to- like Finn asked him to keep an eye on Brittany and he did and now he's got to let Finn know that he had an instrumental role in getting uh, Brittany to leave the New Direction. So Finn is going to run up to Brittany and be like, is it true? She's going to be like, what? No, it's, of course not. He's going to be like, you're not leaving the New Direction? He's like, oh, yeah, I am. I just thought she meant the Selena pregnancy Gomez, the, the Selena Gomez pregnancy rumors. Um, and Finn's like, what Like, what are you doing? You cannot leave. And, of course, Santana is going to step right in to defend her girl Brittany here. And let Finn know, like, you are such a hypocrite. You're talking about how we're all a family and how we need to keep everything together. But you clearly don't like Blaine. You clearly want to kick him right in the war, brothers every time he speaks up. Like, even before he started singing TGIF, you, you know, were shooting him some shady looks. So don't give us this family crap. And Brittany also is going to be like, look, look, I, I, I really, I, I don't want to leave. You're right, Finn. I don't want to leave the New Directions. But Santana made a wish to the leprechaun and... Finn's kind of going to just, like, lose patience here. He's going to be like, look, leprechauns are not real. You need to stop blaming stuff on, like, fake shit, Brittany, and stop being such an idiot. <gasps> Gasp. You can't call Brittany an idiot. You're the idiot, idiot. You can't call Brittany an idiot. What have you not learned? Stop calling her stupid. She's not stupid. She's just... Brittany, leave her alone. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> And of course, Brittany is, uh, she's pissed. And uh, I like this little bit of character development from her, though, because last year we see her get called stupid. And of course, it came from her boyfriend. So of course, it was particularly hurtful. Um, And she cries. But this time being called stupid, she's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. all the Glee Club kids, all the Glee Club guys call me that. And you're the leader. And that makes you the worst of them all. So it's bullying. I won't tolerate it. And I'm done with this shit. Mm -hmm. And so her and Brittany are going to 
walk right off. Santana's going to give like this evil smirk <laughs> to Finn. And they're going to catch up with Mercedes in the hall and be like, hey, so who else is in this all-girls group besides us? And, of course, Mercedes is going to be super happy to have two more people joining in on the uh, Her and Sugar show right now. So, yeah, Finn really just... I mean, they were already out, but he really just slammed the door on the way out. So yeah, he's just sending all these all these people out to uh, to the new group. And I mean, obviously, we're going to see a little bit later on that he feels bad about how things go down. But like, that's not really going to save much here because they're already gone, and you treated them poorly all the way on the you know on the way out here. And up until yeah. this point, the reason that they're leaving in the first place is because it is the Finn and Rachel show. So you know what? You wanted this to be the Finn and Rachel show and you got it. So hope you're happy, Hudson and Schuster and Barry and everybody else that just sits along and lets this happen. Looking at you, Kurt. You screwed the pooch. Screwed the pooch. Um, Sue is getting uh, set for her Sue's Corner later that night on the news. But Royal Remington is going to tell her that actually we're going to bump you back a little bit because your opponent also, by law, is entitled to some airtime. So he actually is going to take uh, this time slot for right now. And Sue's going to be like, what opponent? And then she's going to walk around the corner and see who but Bert Hummel sitting in her chair. And he's going to deliver a speech talking about how the arts are actually the future of America and Sue is using fear-mongering tactics to get you to thinking that the arts are the reason why your children can't read when really it has nothing to do with it. And while it's actually been shown that the arts actually do improve education and you don't want to let Sue shortchange our children in getting a proper holistic education by defunding such a crucial part of it. The arts are the future of America and that is how Bert sees it. Fuck you, Sue. That is how Bert bees it uh that's the better ending <laughs> for that uh yeah it's uh it's it's so cool to see somebody standing up to sue and not just standing up to sue but like sitting in this woman's chair like he took her desk he took her spot like rod remington coming over to being like be and he's like we have to give your opponent equal airtime like that's just how it works and sue does not expect to look over and see like first of all she's just finding out that she has this opponent she's just finding out that it's bert and she's just seeing him in her chair like delivering this speech completely trying to turn everybody against her by giving a very very well thought out rational human view of this campaign and it's obviously like you know she didn't expect that she had any opposition at all so now that she does uh, she's not going to take kindly to this uh later on we're going to see Bert, Carol, Finn, and Kurt at Breadsticks having like a nice little dinner and Sue comes up and now that she's all pissed off at him and you know she is it's processed what is going on here the the family's having a little dispute over what you know what the future looks like for all of them like if Bert does well is he going to go off to Washington and like do a entire career in politics like maybe and if that does happen maybe Finn can run the tire shop like that's uh, an option I don't see why not uh, Kurt is as I mentioned earlier worried about the stress of taking on Sue and he has a right to feel that way because Sue will make his life a living hell and she's going to start trying to do that as she comes by the table that they are sitting at she you know meets up with the family at breadsticks and drops off this giant ass burger with like tons of just like she's trying to give him another heart attack and uh she drops this off and she she says to him 
look, I wanted to run in the first place because of my sister, not because of the arts. So this campaign is going to take a little bit of a turn and this money, uh, well, not, not really because she still wants to get rid of the arts, but like she's trying to say that the money is going to go towards special education. So now she's going to further her, her campaign by giving a cause of what the money is going to go towards when she takes away the arts. So rather than flying the Glee Club to New York to sing a song that they wrote the night before, let's get special education students funded and their teachers funded so that we can have that program and it's like i mean yeah you could have added this whole spiel onto your campaign before uh but now this is just you know extra ammunition on this guy that is obviously whatever so she's trying to make it as hard as possible on him and i love how Bert just like smiles at her the whole time like clearly just like you don't sue i don't give a fuck like you don't scare me (laughs) like it's not gonna work okay it might work on those kids might even work on will schuster it ain't gonna work on me so you know Keep your gut buster. I see this scene as as Carol being Molly Weasley and uh, Sue Sylvester being Bellatrix Lestrange. And uh, <laughs> I just picture Carol at one point being like, not my husband, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that Carol moment. <laughs> uh, but of course, Finn's going to uh, offer to eat that gut buster because it's, it's Finn and Finn can in- inhale everything. Mm-hmm. Uh Back at the school, Sugar Mata is dancing to her by herself, you know, trying to brainstorm names for her uh, girl group right now. And uh, Britanna and Mercedes are going to walk into the rehearsal space. And Sugar's going to be like, oh, great, more backup singers for me. And wrong thing, wrong thing to say to Santana, because Santana's going to put an end to it right then and there. Be like, look. I've seen what you can do, or I've heard what you can do. So if you actually want to win, how about you shut up, get in the background, and like maybe you can like share the spotlight with us. Maybe. Which, you know, Santana clearly does, does, is not fucking around, and Sugar can tell that she's not fucking around, and Santana is going to push her to the back of the crowd as Shelby sort of just... I like how Shelby clearly knows that that's happening because she's standing right there, but she just lets it happen. She's like, thank God, because like, I couldn't say anything because I'm the teacher. Um, so there we are with that. Shelby's going to say, Hey, like, so we are, we're brainstorming, uh, some names for our new team and Santana's going to be like, uh, hot bitches or hot messes. Brittany suggests free beer. Uh, and Shelby's like, no, I'm thinking, you know, maybe something more, you know, that explains like who we are, like what we are. And Mercedes says, well, we're trouble for the other team. And so Shelby comes up with trouble tones. And the the treble tones, tones are, are born. born. They are here. <laughs> and uh, anybody who has watched this season and is you know not watching for the first time knows that we have some great treble tones numbers coming up as we are going to form this group with obviously Mercedes, Santana, and Brittany at the head of it. Sorry, Sugar, you are not the star of this production. You will never have and you never will be. Uh, that's why am I being so mean to Sugar? Sugar's a lovely girl and I like her a lot. Um, just not when she's having this attitude. Uh, sorry, Asperger. Uh, so Sugar is uh, going to have to stay in the back and sway just like she could have easily done in the new directions and probably not cause this whole thing to start. Will, this is all your fault, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> we do get our first Trouble Tones performance here. Uh, Candyman is a very cute introduction with uh, the, just three of them. No Sugar. Sugar, is she on the stage at all? I, I think not. No, she's there. She's one of the backup dancers with the Cheerios. Yeah. All right. Well, then my attention was only on the three girls. Uh, and it's a very cute introduction number to them obviously shelby is very happy with it and obviously will and finn are very terrified because oh shit like this group actually can do something 
They killed it. They killed it. Like, who would have known that Santana, Britney, and Mercedes would make such a powerhouse of a per- of a performance? Like, they killed it. Like, on their first go, too. Like, this is, like, their first full number as the, as a group. And, whoo! I just can't wait to see the, the rest of this. <laughs> they mm-hmm. kill it. Later in the hallway, Britannia and Mercedes are walking, you know, pretty much gloating. Like, they might as well just give us a sectional trophy. Like, we're going to clearly beat the New Directions. They're done. Finn is going to approach them and pretty much just come clean and apologize. He says, Brittany, like, what I said to you was not was not cool, and I'm sorry. And I get that the three of you just want to be seen. I get that you just want to have a good senior year, and I really just – I want what's best for all of you. So I apologize, and I, I hopefully I will see you guys around. And, yeah. And she hugs him, and it's it's yeah, the it's a nice little apology, and uh, it's you know not enough to bring them back or anything like that. But he uh, he did at least the bare minimum to apologize, and she accepts, and then the three of them walk off, and they're fine. So at least there's some, you know, we've eased the tension a bit for now. Yeah, Rory, on the other hand, is not going to read the room at all and come, you know, just speeding and be like, "Oh, Brittany, your last wish came true. You asked." to be able to leave the new directions and not have anybody be upset or mad and Finn did not look mad at all so your third wish has now been granted I'm ready for my pot of cold and Brittany says okay well he wasn't mad but he was heartbroken like he I got my wish didn't come true and leprechauns aren't real I realize that now it'd be really cool if they did but they don't so bye so he walks away what did Brittany use her last wish on she wished that she could leave the new directions and not any like nobody would be upset. I guess, and then she, and then I guess since Finn was unhappy, that was like the techni- technically the wish wasn't fully granted yet. So yeah, I guess that makes sense that now Rory's coming up being like, no, he is happy. I just saw him walk away, smile, and uh, yeah, Brittany checks him a little bit. She's like, nope, that's not what he was. He was he was pretty upset, so didn't really quite work out. <laughs> So yeah, so, uh, he, she's gonna walk away with Mercedes. Santana's gonna say like, "Well, you know, not that that's over." And could you just do me this one last wish? Just one last wish, Rory. Just disappear. And I'm just like Santana. Like, why are you being so mean? Like, he, he's a fucking foreign exchange student. Like, I get, I get that you feel a little bit threatened because Brittany is a bicorn, and so <laughs> there's a potential attraction that could happen between the two of them but like no britney is clearly with you clearly so for you to like just like spit in his face essentially and be like just disappear when clearly he can't like he's going to be living with britney regardless like i don't know it's just like it's just so mean-spirited and of course someone's going to push him as he tries to walk away so rory just can't like catch a break here and even if you think it's over, it's not because then there's another scene. Like even every time you think that Rory's gotten pushed like enough times in the episode, he must have gotten at least ten. Uh, I didn't count, but there must be at least ten, if not more. And then he gets pinned up against the locker at the end, towards the end of this episode. Uh, Finn comes by and he's like threatening that he's going to tell Coach Beast that the guys are uh, are doing this. So the guys run off. I guess everybody's terrified of Coach Beast. And at least you know, at least Rory's made one friend out of all of this. He thanks Finn for standing up to him, and Finn is like, "Yeah, I, I feel bad. I should have started." standing up for you earlier with like, you know, push number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or something like that. Not like when you're pinned up against the locker, these guys were about to truly like beat the crap out of you. Um, and you know, <laughs> as, as we're going to wrap up this corny storyline with the leprechaun, uh, he says that he wants to grant Rory a wish of his own. So Finn is going to, you know, continue to, uh, or he's going to use this as an opportunity to do something good for once in this episode. 
Yeah, and he's going to go ahead and introduce Rory to the Glee Club. He's going to, you know, because Mr. Shu is, you know, talking, still trying to prep them up and be like, look, I know that we lost three members at this point. Four, if you include Sam. Five, if you include Zyces. Like, we're really not looking too good here. But, you know, Finn's going to come in with Rory and say, like, look, you always said that Glee Club was about finding new voices, finding new people to to want to share in the music. And why not start here with Rory? Like, I mean, he clearly needs friends and we need people. And how about we just do this? Quinn's going to Quinn's gonna ask, can this kid, kid even sing? And Rory's going to be like, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to dedicate this song to my family who I miss so much. I've been having a rough time here in the first couple of days. And here it goes. And we get Rory's second solo here. And the last song in the episode it's time, or uh, I was to say, it's time for us to part. It's it's called "Take Care." Actually, <laughs> take yeah, care of yourself. Take, take care of yourself by Rory. And it's weird because, like, I always every time that I revisit this song, which is not often, but like the like I, I recently like rewatched the music video of this song, and this is like I kept thinking that this was when he says goodbye. I thought that he sang this when he was leaving the New Directions. Oh, spoiler alert! Uh, like later on, and he is singing like it's time for us to part and i thought i, I just every time i revisit it, i'm like oh that's his goodbye song but no it's his introduction song so uh as he sings this it's you know a nice way for him to intru- to introduce himself kurt tina and Artie. we're seeing them walk by the trouble tones rehearsal and they see mercedes and they're happy to see her and she's happy to see them but they are you know torn apart <laughs> west side story fashion uh into separate families now that are not uh, forbidden or they are forbidden to see each other or be with each other so it is yeah, uh, now that you say that Rory definitely has a bunch of sad songs so it's easy to get them all confused because he has being green he has take care of yourself um and then I think he, he has a sad song in the Valentine's Day episode and he has a sad song in the Christmas special he sings blue Christmas so he's just a morose character I mean that's he's he's been getting bullied he has every reason to be sad yeah true I love how when he starts to hit the high notes in this song Kurt is like visibly uncomfortable. He's like, oh, that's supposed to be my shtick. (laughs) (laughs) And Rachel is just like in love with it because Rachel, you know, Rachel can never feel bad for a guy that can sing because she doesn't have to compete with the guys, only the girls. So she is clearly just entranced and loves it. But yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, the end of the episode. And just as the song begins to close, we get like quick snapshots of Puck, you know, helping Shelby with Beth. And right as the episode closes, two of them look at each other, look into each other's eyes, get closer and closer and closer, and they fucking kiss. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I, I, I can't with these two. I just, I, I just feel like this doesn't have to happen. I feel like there's better ways to write this story. Like, I just, why do they have to, to I don't know. I don't know. Because that's what Puck does. That's what Puck, uh, he he goes for the Cougars and Shelby needs companionship at the moment. So I get it. It's just like not the most fun to watch back and talk about because it's just kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's just yeah. stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I have nothing to say about it. That's the end of this episode. We're going to get right on into our favorite songs. We're going to start off with Being Green by Rory Flanagan. Last Friday Night, TGIF by Blaine and the New Directions. Well, that's the first time I got that combination, Blaine and the New Directions. Usually Blaine and the Norbert's. Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. Waiting for a Girl Like You by Puck. 
Candyman by The Trouble Tones, Take Care of Yourself by Rory Flanagan. And what's your favorite song, Matt? On like first glance, I would say that it would be Last Friday Night because that's like, you know, a fun Blaine pop number, but I'm going to take points away from it for the fact that it was just so randomly inserted into this episode and had nothing to do with anything. And you know, as much as I can still enjoy it as a Glee cover, uh, my the number one song from this episode is going to have to go to Candyman. Uh, the Trouble Tones making their debut, and the three of those girls just kind of becoming the Trouble Tones is just a good moment, and that's a fun performance. They have these fun outfits, and uh, it is just the start of a amazing group. So Candyman is going to get it from me. Yeah, I'm struggling because I kind of want to give a song to Rory because he has two. But Candyman is just so delicious. He got those lips like sugar cane. And then that long suspended note at the end by Mercedes is just so good. It's got to be Candyman. It's just the true crowd pleaser of this episode. It's so good. I listen to the Glee version of this song so much. I, I think it's maybe even replacement level for Christina Aguilera's. So, yeah, Candyman takes the cake for me, too. Slushy ratings. Um, this is the story of a girl. Uh, this is the first time that I'm going to give, um, I, well, not the first time. I just feel like I haven't given a two in a while and I'm going to give this a two. Um, no, I give, I gave some like 2.5s at the end of last season. Maybe it's just the specific number two that I feel like I haven't given out in a while, but I'm going to give it a two. Um, it's just... It's a fine episode. I like what they did with Rory, but like everything else is just kind of weird. The songs are not all that great. Candyman is good. Last Friday night gets inserted in a weird spot. And the two Rory solos are fine, but why do they both have to be these sad songs? Um, and I like him, but I've, you know, as I mentioned, I've mentioned a couple of times, he's not the strongest singer. It's like this whole episode felt like it was just to highlight you know, this this person that just won a very exciting season of the Glee project that everybody was like so talking about at the time, I, I imagine. And it was like all around Rory. And like I said, a, a couple times, I, I liked the storyline with him. It just that was like the only thing that I really enjoyed from this episode to like, like really enjoyed. So I land around it, too. I like the episode. Um, I take your point about some of the song selections. The last Friday night did seem to be shoehorned in her for the sole purpose of having Blaine sing a song so that Santana could get pissed. But as far as the plot points of the episode, I don't really have a problem with anything. I like the Rory timeline. I like the Bert versus Sue thing. I like the fact that Bert was instrumental in getting the play back in order. I like the fact that it was a bunch of funeral parlor directors. I liked Britanna in this episode. And of course, the birth of the Trouble Tones is just a hallmark moment for Glee within itself. So I feel like we got a, a, a lot of good things in this episode. Did I enjoy it as some of the other, much as some of the other ones? No. So I'll probably put it at one slushy because overall I do like, I do like what they did with Rory here. And that was supposed to be like the main part of the episode. And I think that they did a pretty good job with it. So one slushy for me. Yeah, I mean, I could probably, uh, like, I, the whole time I was leaning towards 1.5, and I just feel like, uh, like, I don't know, I, like, when I, I'm talking about the episode here and thinking back to the episode, I just don't have, like, warm, fuzzy feelings towards it that I feel like if I did, I would be more closer to the 1, so we'll just leave it at a 2, and I can be the 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 mean grader. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Gold star. Gold star uh, for this episode, I am going to give it to Bert Hummel. Um, I don't know that I've given him one in a while either. I think that he 
comes in and, you know, stands up to Sue and stands up for the Glee kids and gives them back their show that was taken away and his ability to grab those random businessmen and put together this plan to have them fund the show. And then he comes in and he's like ready to take on a career and taking down Sue, who was like trying to, you know, of course, continue to destroy the Glee Club. And he takes he's not afraid at all. It's just typical Bert being uh, and not, not just a good dad here, like just being a good person and, and, you know, standing up for what's right and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, while it seems a little cheesy, it's like, you know what? It's Bert. He's doing his thing. And uh, I'll give him a star. That is fair. Do I give it to Rory now or do I wait? I'm going to give it to Rory. I mean, the poor kid just trying to make friends. He can't even like really be himself in his foreign exchange home because Brittany is convinced that he's a leprechaun. Um, but I mean, he doesn't have to play into it. He's only playing into it because he just wants to make out with Brittany. Um, but he really just has a really shitty time. Um, and he's just trying to do his best to stay afloat and stay above water. And I like the fact that Finn, at the end of the day, you know, after realizing how much he's hurt Brittany and how much he's inadvertently hurt Rory is that at the same time is able to, you know, corral him into the Glee Club and, he gets two solos in this episode, and yes, they're both similar songs, similar, you know, type instrumentation, but I think he sounds good. He's not, the, like, uh, Damien is not the best singer, no, but I think that he does a good job here, and I don't know if Rory, I mean, clearly Rory is going to be around until the, the he's, he's going to get more than seven episodes. He'll be here until the end of the season. He'll even make a, a guest appearance in season four, um, but I just don't know if any of the other storylines that they have in store for him are going to warrant me the chance to give him another one. Um, so I, I liked what they did here and I will award him as such. So, so Rory gets to just come in here and grab a gold star in his first chance. Harmony too. And Mike Chang is still sitting here like waiting, waiting, waiting. Sorry. Sorry about it. <laughs> uh, you know what? Mike Chang, we love you. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. I mean, you didn't say. give him one either. <laughs> I'm not giving it to Rory and Harmony, though. Hey, I, the, Harmony kills it, okay? That that number that she did was just fire, okay? Fire. One of the best mashups that Glee has ever done. Top 10 mashup. So she gets it. Yeah. All right. Good episode. Uh, he says as he gives a two rating. It was still good. It was still fine. I, I liked. Uh, happy to have Rory here. Happy to, uh, you know, be moving in the direction of the treble tones as much as I, again, take issue with the split. It's still, you know, it's still a group that produces a lot of good numbers over their time together. And I'm excited to talk about them. And to, uh, we have West Side Story coming up in yeah, the next yeah. episode. So we got some good stuff on the horizon. Yes, we do. Make sure that you are following us on Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can also follow us individually at Amon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Ligori. Leave us star ratings and reviews, which we will read on episodes. And I believe that is it. Anything else, Matt? That's all I got. All right. Well, until then, we will see you guys on opening night, which is coming up next.